Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're into films and listening to clued up people talking about them, then check out Unspooled. In each episode, the film critic Amy Nicholson and the actor, comedian and all-round movie buff Paul Shear take a film from the American Film Institute's Top 100 list and pull it apart. I've listened to some good episodes recently about Apocalypse Now, 2001 A Space Odyssey and E.T. This is some of their take on number 83 on the AFI list, James Cameron's 1997 epic Titanic. I have to tell you, Titanic is a movie that... I was very excited about in the theater, right? Like, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I've never seen anything like it. But when you rolled that 83, I was like, ugh, Titanic. Oh. And I want to say I've done a 180 on this movie because I think my memory of it has been kind of bastardized. I don't think I remembered the movie. I felt like it was all cheese with a really great special effects sequence in it. But I actually found that I engaged in this movie much more. I feel like I've been giving this movie short shrift. Yeah, the Titanic backlash has been so strong that I feel like this movie actually deserves to be higher than 83, to be honest. I think this movie is so fantastic. I have some theories as to why that backlash uh, began. It basically rhymes with James Cameron. But this movie meant the world to me. I think I saw this movie three times in theaters. I stole a poster from the movie. I put it up in my college dorm room. I went nuts. This is my this is my film. I do you ever get asked what's the one movie you would watch a bazillion times in a row that if you're flipping through the channels you just can't turn it off? Yeah. Because to me that's Titanic. Like full really? stop. This is my movie. How many times have you seen Titanic, do you think? Possibly wow. in the thirties. Wow. I, I have it on VHS and that dual deck VHS thing. Oh, I remember that. It was like a like for those of you listening, there used to be VHS tapes and they came in a two pack. Like that's how big the movie was. Only like Godfather Two came in the two pack. Um I will say that in my research for Titanic, I thought Roger Ebert had a great quote about it. Um he said, It's flawlessly crafted, intelligently constructed, strongly acted, and spellbinding. Movies like this are not merely difficult to make at all, but almost impossible to make well. And I feel like that is, I will say just from a special effects standpoint, watching this movie, I'm like, this looks fantastic. Like, And talking about another epic like Ben-Hur, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. These movies are rewarded by FI. It's true. Maybe maybe we'll discover as we go through this list that the longer your movie is, the better of a chance it is. This is three hours <laughs> and 15 minutes. I don't regret a second of it. Titanic, to me, coming out in 1997 is really fascinating because it feels like it's both the last of the Ben-Hurs, mm-hmm. of the classic Ben-Hurs, and the beginning of everything to come. You know, it's this old-style epic, but it's also breaking every technological new ground. It's shaping our new world of CG. It's shaping what films are going to look like in the future. And arguably launching one of the biggest male stars of our time. I mean, I think DiCaprio, this is what catapulted him into the stratosphere. I mean, this became Leo Mania. I mean, was Leo Mania happening before? I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, okay. yeah. There All was right. a little movie called Romeo and Juliet the year before. Wait, that this. was before this? Yeah, that was before this. I mean, that's how James Cameron pitched this movie is he said, Romeo and Juliet, 
ownership. Well, it's so funny you say that because um, I wrote down, this is Romeo and Juliet. Like these characters are so arched. They're so big, but I'm kind of okay with it. Um, There's a long period where everybody was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio and we just wanted to watch him die. I mean, if we can't have him, no one can. Everyone <laughs> will watch him die. He was so wonderful. And this is the beginning of the Leonardo DiCaprio going from hair in your face to hair slicked back, which is the beginning of the end for me as far as DiCaprio's Oh, concerned. really? That's when you check out? I like, wow. his, I like hair in the face. So you like beginning of movie, end of movie DiCaprio, not middle of movie DiCaprio, where he goes <laughs> to like the fancy, the fancy dinner. Yeah. As soon as he goes Irish jigging and his hair gets in his face, that's my man. You're right. So you were talking about this movie taking place at like an interesting point of time, the end of the Ben-Hur is going into like a, a CGI revolution. I just wanted to kind of let the audience know it did come out uh, in 1997 and just a couple of things that were going on, just to kind of put you in the headspace. This is the year that Princess Diana died. Uh, Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear during a match. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. was shot and killed. And uh, if you're listening to the show, you know that we have a little obsession with The Simpsons and The Simpsons became the longest running primetime animated series in 1997, wow. which is crazy to think that we're in 2018 and it's still going on. Don't worry, honey. You can win without them. I guess I'll have to. Then I'll be queen of the world of spelling. That's right, queen of the world of spelling. I think that Titanic is an interesting film because it really is the last film I can remember that, like, galvanized people, even with another Cameron movie, Avatar, which eventually knocked this off the highest grossing list. And, and I would argue now, like the Infinity War films, they don't have the power that Titanic had. Do, do That's you... so interesting because to me, 1997 is also the year where people were really getting on the internet, like really, really getting okay, on the yeah. internet, really starting to, which to me is the beginning of the fragmentation of pop culture, of everybody getting into niches. Oh, yeah. You know, to me, maybe Titanic is the last of the Michael Jackson era where we were all really into one thing. Believe, and I love Infinity War. I'm a big fan. It's just not going to have the resonance that this film had. And I think Infinity War is just a flatter film because what Titanic is, is it's terrifying. It's legitimately terrifying in a way that Marvel movies aren't really because you know not everybody, you know people aren't going to really die. They might vanish, but they'll be back. There's real Spoilers. death in Titanic. Spoilers. Sorry. 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 <laughs> kind of not sorry. The love in the love story here in Titanic is unbelievable. No other modern avatar kind of film even compares to that. Like everything here is just operating. It's a thriller. It's action. It's historical. It's drama. It's literally every genre in this gigantic package. And then it's flawlessly done. The love story is a very small section of the movie when you look at the whole because I kind of think of the movie – in different chunks. Like you have uh, obviously the Bill Paxton section that kind of bookends it. Then you have the love story and then you have the accident, you know, the, the sinking of the Titanic. The Rose and Jack like romance part really is starting at like 40 minutes in and by an hour and 47 minutes in, we're hitting the, the fatal crash. So then the movie just goes full on Thriller. So I feel like they do a lot of legwork in that time to set up this like grand romance, which I thought was surprising at how economical it is. Like, you know, a lot of times I think we f uh, find that films now spend too much time setting up stuff. And here they really were able to cut to the chase. Well, I think it's astonishing how real their romance is. You know, it's the kind of quote unquote typical cliche, like poor boy, rich girl story. But Rose DeWitt Boudicca, played by Kate Winslet, is maybe one of the best female characters 
I've seen because she's not just this like perfect heroine. She's a snob. She's really hot tempered. In comparison to Rose, Leonardo DiCaprio's a manic pixie dream hunk. Can we call him that? <laughs> I mean, Jack is just like handsome blonde, loves her beyond all measure from the first time he sees her, gives her a hard time, teaches her how to shake up her life, teaches her how to spit. I will say that even I was wooed by DiCaprio. I mean, he has this amazing energy, but I think his energy stays in one direction. It's always moving forward. And agreeing with what you're saying here, Kate Winslet really shows you this amazing transition from this uh, person who's kept, you know, in in a safe, you know, and then gets to really fully blossom. So yes, he was the catalyst, but she made this grand arc. I think that's the reason why Kate Winslet and Gloria Stewart both got nominated for Academy Awards because it is an amazing character arc performance, 100%. I think in many ways, she gets underrated in this film because of DiCaprio mania. Well, see, here is what I love about just the way James Cameron structures their romance into the film. He does it geographically. Their romance starts at the back of the film with her committing suicide and him trading his life for her. It goes all the way up to the very front of the prow and the heart will go on moment when he kisses her for the first time and they're embracing in the sunset. And then it goes all the way back to the bottom when they're at the back of the ship as it sinks to the ocean and he gives up his life for her again. Wow. It's this beautiful circular arc. You just blew my mind with that. I, I did not think of it like that. That's actually really – it's amazing. I think one thing that this movie does so well – is geography. like it does it so well. James Cameron is amazing at this. Like, he sets up how the entire ship looks. Like, he's like, here's steerage. Here's the big gears at the bottom and the coal stuffers. Here's first class. Here's the dining room. Here's the deck. He sets it up so well that when the ship goes to hell at the end of it and they're running through everything, we know where everything is. We've been there. We have the geography. I will argue that he even does it before the actual movie starts by showing you that dive footage of the actual Titanic. You're in the actual Titanic. Then you come out and you're with Bill Paxton. And then they show you a like computer generated simulation of how the Titanic sank. So you understand everything before you even get on that boat. He understands that you don't get tension from not knowing what's happening, that you get tension from knowing what's going to happen. You know that ship is going to break in half. And how it's literally going to break in half when Bill Paxton's buddy the guy with the funny T-shirts, uh, basically. <laughs> the guy sh- with the smiley face with the bullet on his head. By the way, not an actor. James Cameron wrote it with his friend in mind, and then when he couldn't find the right actor for that role, he's like, oh, "I'll just cast my friend." And he's like, "If you want me to wreck your movie," um, but. He shows you, he's like, once the ship breaks in half, then this part's going to go up and then it's going to go down really fast. It literally lays out every detail of the accent before you're even there. And then it's like in the back of your mind. So the entire film, it works on all these levels. It almost allows you to enjoy the end more because you know what's going to happen. It's foreshadowing. Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson discussing Titanic on Unspooled. And that's produced by Josh Richmond. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 